today is Vision Sunday. This is the moment where we reflect on the journey that God has brought us on. We give thanks for all he's done through us and we continue to dream about the future. Now the reason we do this and we do this regularly is because vision leaks vision leaks. We have a clear vision and then it goes. Like I, I, this, I mean, it lands in every area of its life, doesn't it? At the moment, we have small kids. It's like, get your socks on so we can go to school. Ten minutes later, they built a castle. They've read a book. They're still barefoot. And I'm like, oh! And then, and then I'm trying to do some work myself. And I'm like, on BBC, I'm on Twitter. I'm like, oh! Like, vision leaks. You have a direction and then we drift off course. And so it's really important that we take this time, we diary it in to be asking God, what is your vision for for us. You know, if you give the next three, five, 20 years to serving this city through St. Peter's, what will you be investing in? But I'm also really aware that across all of our services, about 50% of our church have joined within the last two and a bit years. And actually half of those, including Kate and I, have joined in the last year. So I'm aware that for a lot of people, this might be completely new information. But for those of us who've been on this journey, this is a chance to celebrate and to kind of kind of be at awe of how gracious God is and how much he has blessed us because he has done so much. And so I hope that today helps you see, answer the question, God, what is my part to play in being your hands and feet in our city? And so this is our vision statement that we use. Is this, it'll come up on the screen. To play our part in the evangelization of the nations, the transformation of society, and the revitalization of the local church. And in kind of normal words, with less Z-type sounds, this is to tell people about Jesus, to let that flow out into transforming our society and our culture, and also then to renew churches so that they're filled with hope, they're filled uh, with Jesus, so that they can be places that um, uh, empower this vision. But the most important part of that vision statement is those opening words, to play our part, to play our part. Because God has a specific role for St. Peter's to play, and he has a specific role for you to play in this. Now, the good news about that is, first of all, it reminds us that this is not our idea. We didn't come up with loads of great plans for our city. God loved our city, and then he's invited us in. So it's his plan that we're joining in. But also, we're not alone. There's loads of fantastic, hope-filled churches across this city that we get to partner with as we seek to serve our city together. So the question is, what does our part look like in this. And as I've been preparing for this, I felt led to Jeremiah chapter 29, uh, which is an amazing passage because it not only shapes our vision, but kind of points out some of the pitfalls that we can fall into along the way. And so we're going to read that in a moment. But the context of this is God's people had been invaded. They'd been taken over by the Babylonian Empire. And part of the Babylonian strategy for subduing people was they would take all of their leaders, their influences, their key artists away, give them good jobs, and so kind of take them into their culture, indoctrinate them, so it would then flow back into their people and they would be a lot easier uh, to look after. It'd be like, I don't know, like if Brighton was invaded and they took our MP, but they also took Nick Cave and they took uh, Robert Deserby and Graham Potter to make sure there's no backup. Like they've taken all of our key influencers and now we're without leadership, we're without influence. And they're taken into Babylon and they've got this collective trauma. 
And actually, when that happens, they fall into passivity, to pattern break, and into denial. Maybe you've seen that in some areas of your life. I know I do quite frequently. And actually, the good news is that if you're in one of those moments, God wants to speak into that moment for you today. So let's have a look at it. This is Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 to 14. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those who I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams that encourage you to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart." I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and the places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Amen. Amen. This is the good news, that in whatever situation you find yourself in, in whatever situation we find ourselves in today or in the future as a church, God says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, think on that for a moment, that the God of the universe sets some time aside to think about you to prepare a plan for you, to to prosper you and to grow you, not to shrink your life, but to expand it. Like, Like, look at it there. Like, this is, you know, when we do things that separate us from each other and from God, he says, I'm gonna gather you together. Those things that we do that trap us in patterns and addictions, he says, I'm gonna break the power. I will bring you back from captivity. The things that pollute our bodies, uh, uh, he wants to clear them away. He wants to give you a hope and a future. And it means the debt that we owe to God, the debt of a life we should have lived for him. And don't, not only is it forgiven, not only is the penalty paid, he has plans to prosper us. And Jesus does all of this and even more on the cross. And nine times in this passage, God makes a point of saying, I will do this. I will do this. I not only will give you the message that starts here, but I will give you the power to bring this to completion. And the really good news The really good news is this promise is not made to a people living in luxury. This is given to a people in the middle of their crisis. And that means that we can know that whatever we are facing, he is powerful and he is faithful to meet us in it and carry us 
through it. So the question is, what do we do with a message like that? What do we do with a message like that? What does it look like as it lands in the life of a bunch of people in Brighton in 2023? What makes sense of it? And what are we going to do about it? And there are three commands that God gives us in this passage that shape us as we think about it. The first is that God says, live. Live in your city. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. One of the uh, pitfalls that people had fallen into was passivity. They kind of felt, oh, this is really awful. But actually, they thought, well, it won't last that long. So we'll just kind of, it'll pass. Let's just wait. And so they stop working. They stop marrying. They stop babying. They, they just kind of live on the fringes. They give up on their future. They're kind of living with like one foot out of the door. And God says to them, this isn't how I want you to live. Plant in the middle of the crisis. Don't wait for the crisis to go. Plant yourself in the middle of it. And don't just think about your life today. Don't even just think about your life tomorrow. Think generationally. Think, wait, you know, what's your 70-year vision? What's your 120-year vision for your life? He's saying to them. He says, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. He says to them, he says to us, make this city your home. Don't be a tourist. Live here. It might just be a season of study or work, or this might be your permanent home, but you're feeling tired. But he says, look, look, live here. Be a, you know, make friends. Make friends. Uh, make a life for yourself. Love your neighbor. So he says that to us individually, but he also says it to us as a church. He says, as a church, live here. What does that mean? Well, the way I kind of get my head around it is I, I find Jesus' great commandments are really helpful for thinking about this. We, we talked a bit about this last year that Jesus says, when asked, hey, what's the most important things? What are the things that can give me the most joy in life? He says this, look, love God with passion. That's number one. And love people on purpose. That's number two. Love God with passion. Love people on purpose. And for me, that makes a sense of a lot of what we do here as a church. As a church, we gather and we love God with passion on a Sunday. We gather together. We let the worship of Jesus interrupt the busyness of our life. We come here. We give him our song, our time, our attention. And we just say, Lord, we love you and we want to bless you. We also do it in groups in the, in the middle of the week where we gather together, we pray for one another, we look at the Bible together. That's how we love God with passion as a church. And here's how we love people on purpose. We do it through Safe Haven and Alpha. Safe Haven, the, the kind of name we use for all of the things that we do to seek to serve the city. And Alpha, where we create a space for people to bring the most important questions of life, to be listened to, to talk with others all around fantastic food. It's loving God with passion. It's loving people on purpose. And as we faithfully seek to do that as a church, to live here as a church, people's lives are transformed. We're going to hear Jason's story now, which is a picture of what this can look like. So my perception of church was very old-fashioned. It was one of control and probably uh, rules and regulations and what you can, what you can't do. And very much considered myself a, an atheist. 
constantly through my life I'd, I'd filled this need for something with alcohol or things that weren't necessarily good for me but I always deep down I think knew that there was something missing inside of me and despite all of the kind of things that I was trying to fulfill in my life um, nothing seemed to be adequate my wife rediscovered her faith quite strongly through a number of factors which were happening and she invited me to St Peter's one Sunday I went in with sort of clenched fists and a very angry mindset thinking that you know what am I doing here this is this is stupid I, I don't fit in here and almost sort of going in wanting to have a fight with somebody my wall started to sort of break down a little bit I stood at, at the six um, one evening and um, uh, John Harley had this prophecy of a man who these lyrics just mean a lot to and God wants to know you that you know he knows you and he loves you and I was just like when I heard that I was just like oh mate this is this is just blowing my mind church for me is amazing God changed my life forever my perception of 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 church is, is my family, being part of the community, running small groups. I, I wouldn't be here now uh, in the position that I am without, without church. That's just one of the many, many stories of people encountering the love of God through you being a church in Brighton. But there's something else that God has called us to do as we seek to love him with passion and love people on purpose. And that is plant new churches. And the reason he's called us to do that is because he didn't just send us to this city to, to grow our church. He sent us here to bless our city. And we can't bless our city just from this place, just from this building. And so one of the things that he's asked us to do is plant new churches so that we can create spaces for other people to love God with passion and to love people on purpose, meeting the specific needs of communities. And I just want to say, this is our history, but this is also what God has positioned us to do in the future. Now, Sunita and I are going to, Sunita's on production today, we're going to try and give you a little timeline of all that God has been doing through you. And as I said, I get to champion this because I've just inherited this. I wasn't part of any of this. So this is great for me because um, Kate and I only joined uh, last year. But first thing to say is in 2009, we were planted. St. Peter's was facing closure. Uh, the, the building was going to be sold off. And there was a small group of faithful people who met in a chip shop just over there to pray for St. Peter's each week. And God heard and answered their prayers. And Archie and Sam Coates uh, formed a team. They're up at a church in London called HDB. And they were sent down to come and plant into St. Peter's. And then four years later, we were invited to partner with the congregation at St. Cuthman's in Whitehawk. And so we planted. We were planted and then we planted. But then in 2014, we planted Holy Trinity Hastings outside of the city. Then 2016, we planted even further Harbour Church in Portsmouth. Then Brighton was feeling a little left out. So in 2017, we planted in to Five Ways, St. Matthias in Five Ways. But we also planted that same year into St. John's in Crawley. But here's where it gets exciting because the plants, they then started planting. So in 2018, Harbour Church 
in Portsmouth planted into Portsea and to Copner. In 2019, St. John's in Crawley planted into St. Peter's. That got us excited. So again, we planted into Bognor Regis. Then in 2021, St. Matthias planted into St. Richard's. Harbour planted into Citizen Church into Cardiff. And we planted into St. Leonard's Hove. And then finally, and probably most exciting, oh no, then last year we planted with All Saints in Patcham. St. John's planted into three bridges. But then this year, most excitingly, Citizen Church in Cardiff planted into Ponty Pre, making us great grandparents. Isn't that incredible? When that team was sent to plant a church here, I don't think any of us had in mind what could happen and what God could do when people say yes to him. So we've planted 10 and our plants are planted six and those that planted our plants are planted once. That made it worse. Um, So this is our history, but this is also what God has continued to position us to do. And there are at least four more named locations that we've been asked to partner with, to raise a team and to send people so that in those locations, people can have an opportunity to encounter the living God and for that church to meet the specific needs of that place. As a church, you have been faithful to God's command. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. And what I love is the cool thing, Jason and Hannah, they uh, found their faith, they came, revived their faith here, but now they have been sent and they're part of the leadership at St. Leonard's down the road. And that's so much of the story that people come to faith, they get raised up and then they go off and plant. But we can only do this if we have people who are willing and able to be sent. And that's why the second thing that we do as a church is we grow disciples. We see it here. God says not only live in the city, he says lead in the city. He says to them, seek the prosperity, the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. He's saying, look, don't just live in the city for your own benefit. Live here for the benefit of others. To seek the peace and prosperity of a city is is to lead. It is to take the situation, to say whatever influence I've been given, whether it's big or small or public or private or wide or just into one person, I'm going to use that for their blessing so that God might be glorified. And if you are a follower of Jesus, he has called you to be a leader. Like he has called you to be, we often miss this because we think of leadership as stuff, you know, people with jobs or people on platforms do. But leadership is just about influence. And therefore, to be a disciple of Jesus is to be somebody who leads in his name. Leadership is simply about influence. Who are you letting influence you? And how are you influencing others? And so part of our vision here is to equip you to serve as effective, faithful followers of Jesus in your church, but also in your workplace, in your family, with your friends, wherever you spend most of your time. And we do that here, obviously on a Sunday when we look at God's word together. We do it in groups as we go a bit deeper and pray for each other. And I'm I'm really aware there's so much, there's more demand for groups than we actually have groups for at the moment. And so James Rowe at the back has been spearheading a new initiative to form new groups and a new way of forming groups. And so if you aren't in a group and you want to get in one, they meet midweek, uh, come and chat to us. We would love to get you involved in that. And we've also just started something called the Discipleship Stream, which is a way for groups to intentionally step into a sort of development season for different times throughout the year so that we can be intentional about growing as disciples. 
But actually, there's more to growth than just learning information. Actually, there was a study done recently that showed that learning comes about only really 10% through uh, information. You know, through just reading the Bible is about 10% of your growth as a disciple. 20% of any learning comes through discussion. Actually, 70% comes through on-the-job experience. And actually, if you look at Jesus, that's how he raised his team up. He called them and then he basically got them into action straight away. I think sometimes we think, oh, I have to wait until I can start serving others, or I have to get to a certain level before I can lead in any way. And actually, that's not how Jesus treats us. And I'd love to invite Amber. Amber's going to come and chat to us a bit about her experience of this. So, Amber, a year ago, uh, were you a Christian? Come, come, come. Uh, no, I, oh. um, no, so I know a few people might know my story, but um, I'm in, from Birmingham originally. I came down to Brighton for university. First year of uni was terrible. Um, came back down for second year and spontaneously walked into St. Peter's. Um, <laughs> um, brought up atheist, never been to a church before. Family aren't Christian. Um, just walked in with the intention it would kill two hours of my morning and thought I'd never come back and a year later I'm still here every week. Um, I just fell in love with the joy the place had really. It's yeah. completely changed my life. So Amazing. And what difference has Jesus made for you this year? Um, I'd say like a year ago I was this really timid, really shy, um, reserved girl. Covid completely took away all of my confidence. Um, and this year I've just been getting out of my shell again. And someone said to me a couple of weeks ago, you haven't got self-confidence, you've now got like God confidence. <laughs> and that's really stuck with me. Um, so, yeah. And you, right away, you were getting involved in like the worship in the children's team. But tell us a bit about what's your experience been on serving on the children's team? Yeah, so about a year ago, exactly, I um, became a Christian. And then in the January, I started kids team and worship team. So I play keys. And I do kids team every other week. Um, and what I realized is not being brought up Christian, I have no knowledge at all of the Bible or anything like that. Um, so I'm learning with the children. So when they learn a story, I learn it with them. And I think it's really important for children to know that you don't have to be, you don't have to know everything to be a Christian. Because if I waited till I knew everything, I'd still be waiting forever. Um, so yeah, it's been a great journey this um, year. It's really helped me grow my faith. Amazing, amazing. Thank you, Amber. Isn't that amazing? That's a picture of what the Lord, how the Lord likes to lead us and disciple us. He likes to get us going and then he meets with us on the journey. And I just want to say, I think one of our key messages on my heart is that there is space for you here to lead, to serve, to get involved. Uh, and that we're seeking to make as many diverse and different roles because we know uh, different people have different time and different skill sets. But, you know, there are so many different ways. I'm thinking especially uh, we've been talking to a lot of the students to say, you know, if you're studying project management we've got a lot of projects that need management like actually like the tower project here was led uh, by uh, somebody who just gave of their time and their expertise uh, for most of uh, the history of that being run there are amazing opportunities I think of Charlotte one of our students who who basically administered a whole part of focus at the end of the last year so that we could go on holiday together because she said my course finishes and I've got space and hopefully that was an amazing experience of growth for her as well if you're involved in media we've got 
loads of, uh, loads of fascinating projects going on. And one of the wonderful things we've seen is those people with more experience but have less time starting to mentor those with less experience but a lot more time and just starting out in their journey. And it's been wonderful to see that synergy between the older and the younger. And Part of my role, I see, is to create space for everybody to find uh, a place where they can grow and serve one another and so uh, grow in the discipleship of Jesus. Now, one of the dangers, though, as we seek to lead in our city is that of assimilation. We forget how it is that we are to lead. The path of least resistance, like, and actually what the Babylonians were trying to do to these people was to assimilate them. And it can be really easy to forget that we're not just a lead, but we're to lead in the way of Jesus. In other words, uh, we are to lead in love. He says this, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. He's saying, look, this is your home, but it's not your ultimate home. This is your home, but you're not going to be here forever. We are exiles in this world. It's an image the Bible uses a lot. Another is ambassadors. Like I have a friend who's an ambassador. He's an incredible guy. Like amazing stories. Uh, been involved, he was involved in like, uh, negotiating the peace process at the end of the War of Kosovo. Incredible guy. Um, but what I've noticed about him, and I got to go to one of his ambassador's parties once. It was like a room full of ambassadors. They're fascinating people because they're, they're all bilingual. They speak the language and without an accent. They love the food. They know the customs. They love and appreciate the country they're in. They love building bridges. They're great joy to build peace. But they never forget that they're there to represent the vision and values of their home country. And for us, that's a picture. God has sent us into this world to live here and to lead here, but to lead in the way of love. God says to them this, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've called, carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because it prospers. And if it prospers, you too shall prosper. And the original hearers of that, they'd have been dumbstruck. Like that word shalom there, there's no good English word. They say peace and prosperity, but it doesn't really capture everything. It's to seek the absolute flourishing of our city, the, the economic, the psychological, the spiritual, the social, the, the spirit, everything thriving. And if that wasn't shocking enough, these are their enemies. These are the people who've done everything to work against the life that, they, that God is calling them into. This is love your enemies kind of love. And I know you guys are such a powerful uh, prayer, like, I can't think of the word. Uh, you're, you're a bunch of powerful prayers. Like this last 24-7 week of prayer we had, every single slot was filled by you guys. And I know many of you involved in the morning prayer meetings as well. We couldn't do anything we do without people praying. And God says, pray and pray big prayers. Now, at first glance, it could seem a bit self-serving uh, because, not because, of the, you know, it says, seek the prosperity of the city there because then you're, you will prosper. But actually, you, we, we can't read it like that because of that word, pray. To pray for the shalom of those that are other, you can't do that unless you love them. You cannot pray for shalom for other people unless you love them. And actually, we don't always love to begin with, but as we lean into love, as we choose to follow Jesus into a place of love, 
That is where we start to see love grow in us, but also flow out. And we can hear from Sean now. Sean's going to come and tell us a bit about Safe Haven. As I mentioned before, safe haven is kind of the term we use to describe all the different things that we are outward facing towards our city. And Sean, you've been part of the church since 2016? Yeah, officially yeah. 2016, yeah. Officially 2016. And how did you end up on a safe haven team? Uh, I wanted to do it for a long, long time, um, but it was 2020, COVID. I was stuck in my house um, and I was feeling quite disconnected. So that was, for me, the motivation just to kind of like bite the bullet and jump into it. So it was like, as we're coming out of lockdown, we're doing safe haven in the car park. That was, uh, that was my uh, foot in. And what has God done through you serving others, mm. but what has he done in your life through that? Um, for me, it's, it's always been quite easy to come in on a Sunday, but actually to live and live a life of faith and love I found all of that really tricky, so safe haven has been a real push on my character to kind of have that love, just not here on a Sunday with all the people that come here, but actually to those people that won't come here, those everyday people which you probably forget about or you wouldn't think about, but yeah, it's been a real test for me to kind of be like how I connect to those people on a different level. So yeah, it's really, really taught me and encouraged me how to just lean into the love yeah. And what were some of the barriers that you faced in sort of getting yeah. over that, <laughs> leaning in? And what are some of the yeah. other barriers you, you see with other people? So for me, um, it was how do you connect and how do you talk? Like, what do you say to someone? Because I think coming to Safe Haven, you have a picture of what that guest looks like. And I was like, how do I connect with someone like that? That was, for me, like a really big barrier. I'm also more of a quiet person, so I was just like, okay, you know, I don't want to sit and host and try if those people. I also had this impression that I would have to, like, counsel or try to solve someone's problems. Mm -hmm. So for me, that felt really, really daunting, like, how do you do that? Um, but, yeah, completely different. You know, I think coming here or helping out is just realizing that all I have to do is turn up, and that was enough. Yeah. yeah, and you've got young kids, you've got a job. What, how, what's your involvement? How do you shape that? How does that fit in with the rest of your life and what God calls you to? Yeah, well, it is, it is hard to manage, but for me, in my faith, serving is so key, so I make that a priority. But I started really, really simple. I started one, I think it was one term, and then it turned down to once a month and stuff like that. But for me, the reason it is a priority is because I like what I get out of it. So at the end, you know, I feel like I'm a better person at the end of it. So taking that back to my family, taking that back as a husband, as a father, and just work, it just feels I get so much out of it as well. So it started off just easing myself into it, slowly, gradually getting into it. And then seeing the change, it's just, yeah, it's really, really easy to kind of come along now. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Sean. So as I mentioned, safe haven is a term we use for, uh, there's kind of three major touch points, safe haven men and women and then safe haven Saturdays, where we seek to create a space here in the church 
uh, for people who are disadvantaged, people might be vulnerably housed or experiencing homelessness, where they can come in, find community, find conversation. As Sean said, we're not there to fix their problems. We're there just to be alongside them, to understand them and to be with them. We also have great food as well. Uh, and then also, though, this has kind of flowed out into a, a breakfast for women who are on probation, and that happens here so we can help uh, try and support them through that transition. And also there's Safe Haven uh, Mother and Baby who uh, kind of try and draw alongside women who've got extra needs in what is one of the most challenging uh, seasons of their life. And there's so much more. I shouldn't have started a list because there's so much more as well. Um, but as I said, this is only possible through the love that you have given, the time that you've given and poured into, and it is making uh, such a difference. And this, the shape of this, I think, is what God is calling us to. If Jesus is correct, and I'm kind of betting my life on the fact that he is, that the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself, it means that my need to serve is greater than anyone else's need to be served by me. And there are a lot of needs in the city, but our need as a church to serve them is greater than their need to be served by us because this is what God is calling us to. This is the, one of the main ways that he shapes us into the likeness of his son so we can be all he dreamed that we can be. And the key thing is, Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he has not already done himself. In verse 14, we read, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. Jesus says, I'm going to be found by you. But the way he does it is he doesn't wait for us to get to him because we never could. He came down and found us. That when Jesus entered into history, when he was born as a baby, when he lived and when he died, this is the end of exile because we are no longer separated from God's presence. Jesus, who lived in heaven and could have stayed in heaven, gave it all up, moved into our neighborhood. Jesus lived here. He got a job. He made friends. He built a team. He led here. He served the crowds. He invested in people. He rocked the boat, and he called people to step up into all that God had dreamed they could be. And so obviously there were challenges. He was persecuted. He was crucified. But he did not hold back. He did not hold back because he loved us. He loved us even to the point of dying for us on a cross. And he invites us to do the same. That as we lay down our lives for the city, we will get it back way more than we have ever laid down in before. And as we lay down our lives, they might prosper in the same way as he laid down his life so that we could prosper. And as you see that, as you focus your heart, your mind, your life, and your singing around the cross of Jesus, that's where you'll be given the power to live and to lead and to love in this city as he has called us to do. Amen. Amen. <laughs>